When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a lounge singer to be their office receptionist. Hello, this is Mickey Marquis, and you've reached the office of Doug and Associates. <laughs> Thank you very much. Catch me Tuesday nights at the Hotel Johnson. Hello? But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Doug and Associates, this is Mickey Marquis. Hello? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I am joined today by Matt Candela. How are you doing, Matt? Pete, very good. Very good, apart from the result. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not been a good year. It's not been a good year for, for the Arsenal. It's um, the, the worst run ever expanded out of my lifetime uh, this week. So um, I can now officially say... The run is so bad that I was, uh, you know, it's the worst run of my entire life. Uh, it's bad, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it was bad because uh, we haven't actually had a decent performance since the opening day of the season, and it's Christmas in two weeks. <laughs> I know it's um it's super depressing, and the you know on the face of it, you're like, well, you know, Spurs are one of the form teams in the Premier League because they're right up the top. Um, but it doesn't matter what the realities are of where Spurs are in their program. Arsenal are, are a mess and it's always stings badly when you lose to Spurs. So I want to do like a three prong attack today. We can talk a little bit about the Spurs game. I guess everybody's done that to death a little bit, but maybe like pull out some of the things that really speak to the mess that Arteta has managed to get himself into. Then we can talk about um, like, how does he move forward? And then we'll try and end on some uh, some positive notes because there are a few out there um, if you really claw around for them. So, like for, first things first, Arsenal go to uh, to White Hart Lane. They uh, they succumb to two counter attacks from two of the best strikers in the Premier League, 
Like, what what did you make up? What did you make of, of Arteta's approach to that game? Just top level. Look, I think one of the things that we liked about um, Arteta since he's arrived is that for a brief moment in time, it felt like uh, we might just break all the all the conventional expectations that we would normally expect from an Arsenal team. <laughs> you know, it's like you normally expect us to concede early. You normally expect us to do badly away from home. All of these things. And for a while, Arteta was able to get us to uh, be more than the sum of our parts. But we, it was literally a cliche of what you would expect us to do against a Mourinho team. You know, we know how he plays. And... To go in and play the way we played, and it was, it, it was just sort of staggering. It, it reminded me a bit of the sort of the Wenger years, where um, it was just sort of we'll do our thing and hopefully it'll work out. And um, and it was it was pretty woeful. I think we could have played for about three months and not scored a goal. Yeah, it was. Um, it felt like a. It felt like a lack of preparation. You know that it wasn't a lack of preparation because you know that Arteta is very thorough. But to get hit on the counter-attack, the, the, the thing that's frustrating me the most about what's going on at the moment is the lack of calmness. And I appreciate that when you, you know, previously had lost five out of 10 games in the in the Premier League or whatever the number was, panic starts to set in. But... I, I, he's starting to do that thing that Emery was doing where he starts to cave to fan demands. You know, we've seen him put Obama Ying through the middle and it's been a disaster. But the the biggest mistake of the Spurs game was uh, bringing Thomas Partey back a week early. Like, I think the club thought he was going to be ready for the Burnley game. The player put his hand up, said he wanted to play, the, and the manager just went for it. <clears throat> I think that that kind of summed up um, summed up the moment for us. But there were also some other things that came out of that game because I don't think the performance was a down tools moment. You know, it wasn't like uh, an end of days performance. It was just naive and stupid. And I uh, I don't know how much you read into it, but it, Hector Bellerin and his foul throws. I really like. They, they speak to the problems that Arteta's got behind the scenes with the culture. He's got more foul, foes, foul throws this season than anyone in Europe. I think there have only been 16 foul throws in the entirety of the top five leagues. Um, and he's got what, five or six of them. Like, how, how much do you read into that? You know, Hector's supposed to be one of the good guys, right? What, what do you read into, like, micro moments like that? Yeah, I mean, look, I've, I've seen all the all the noise about the foul throws and look you shouldn't be doing foul throws but Hector is the least of our problems in my in, in my mind um and you know it's a sign of how football has changed but you know we're 10 games in or 11 games in or whatever it is 10 games in after five games in we were saying that Hector Bellerin has fully come back from his injury is the best right back in the league and is has returned to the form where he's, he's been assisting. Uh, he won the penalty at Old Trafford. That was three games ago, three games and league games. And, and now we're saying, you know, he is symptomatic of the malaise that's in the club. And I think we need to avoid all these uh, knee jerk reactions. I think Bellerin is from, from by all accounts, a model professional um, who is doing his best. And, and, and I don't think that, that that is a, is a particular, point um i think what 
the most disturbing thing of all for me is um is we've been building this sort of structure this sort of team structure um which is based on solidity and and it, and it's just completely fallen apart like, there was no sign of a system or a structure or uh defensive strength uh against spurs it just looked like a you know late wenger team or a late every team um and that's the bit that i don't understand it's how structurally we just completely forgot everything that we've been doing and i think it's a bit like that <laughs> i was reminded today of that mike tyson quote which is everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face and that's a bit what it feels like <laughs> with arteta he had a great plan and now he's been punched in the face and he literally looks like uh, a rabbit in the headlights because he doesn't seem to have confidence in his original plan and you know our confidence is draining in him fast and it's going to be it's going to be hard given the lack of senior footballing people in the club for him to turn it around yeah i can't i can't help but disagree with you like pochettino said a few years ago about the 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 death spiral and i think that arteta is in one at the moment i i, I think that it's incredible how quickly the fans have jumped from being like, we've got a, a great coach to we need to make a change right now. I think the worst decision that the club could make would be to, um, to, to break this down. I, I think the, I, the biggest mistake that he made, well, the biggest mistake the club made is they made him manager. Um, it was just, I mean, the stupidity and look, it, it just reminds, it's like the kind of thing that I would do. You know, you we or us as fans do, we get so overexcited. And Arsenal fans are particularly bad at it, but you really don't want uh, the the management of the club doing the same. And there was absolutely no need to do it. He wasn't asking for it, I'm sure. He's six months into the job. He, he's not in a position to make demands at that stage. Um, and it was... It, it. I think that decision epitomises the... Uh, lack of senior leadership that exists within the football club because it was just a pointless decision that had no upside and a lot of downside. Yeah, and I, I think that instead of like, I, I, we could go over the, the Tottenham game all day, but we weren't good enough. Um, everything went to shit and we didn't deserve to win. But I think that uh, addressing the addressing the core issues of what's going wrong for Arteta because I, I think that you know he got made he, he got given the manager title I think part of the reason that he got given the manager title and part you know and the reason that he was put on the same level of as Edu was another bad um, leadership decision the club clearly don't think Edu is up to it um, there are all sorts of things that like funnel out of the club about you know his lack of suitability for that role um, he's also extremely tarred with a Raul brush. And I think the club felt that if they just dumped it all on Arteta, he'd almost be able to prop up the technical director who's supposed to be over the top of him. But really, the, the uh, it's difficult to avoid two things. Like, firstly, this isn't all Arteta's fault, right? I think that most most rational people can see that this has been a culmination of six or seven years of bad decision-making. Arsene Wenger talking in the press is a fucking disgrace, in my opinion, like for him to come out and say that managers shouldn't get patience in 2020 when he's been out of a job for three years is like farcical. 
um, considering the amount of patience that we were um, told to give him over the years and the amount of money that he wasted in the process. But I think the biggest um, decision that Arteta made was he fell for the con job that the big players put his way. He did not recognise the patterns that have put Arsenal in trouble over the last three years. He doubled down on, on players that are always going to let you down. And he even invited one more into the mixer. Like, uh, William was a catastrophic signing, um, regardless of his quality. Like, if you're a winger in Premier League football, you've got to be able to beat a man. But to put so much value in players that have been bums for the last five years, I think is, I think is the core problem because they don't think that they need to hit a level because the club's in a bit of a mess at the moment. So we've got foot off the gas, even from over. Like, what do you, you know, what do you think the biggest error um, that's contributed to this season so far is? Like, why is it going wrong? Look, I think, and we've talked about this so many times over the past two or three years, which is, what is the strategy for Arsenal Football Club? And we're still no clearer. There's never been a, a vision in terms of player profiling, uh, style of play, anything from either either Arteta or Edu in terms of in terms of in terms of what we look, um, how we look to play. And 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 without a strategy, it's difficult to know where we're headed. So are we are we are we bringing the youth through? We're we not bringing the youth through. Um, you know, I, it would make more sense to to bring in Willian if we were bringing all the youth through, because then there'd be a balance of some experience. Um, so, so, so it's sort of really unclear on on that front. And then um, the signings have been abysmal. Um, so you know, Suarez, Mari, Willian, you know, all on his watch. Um, and then look at whose responsibility is that? Is that is that all being driven by by Edu? But you know that's three signings. That if they were good signings, uh, you know we could have three first team players, right? For the amount we're paying, and instead in that bunch we've got one, and and they they shouldn't even really be a first team player. So it all comes back down to the whole strategy. It's like what what are we even driving to? What are we even doing? And when you look at what Liverpool are doing, even Chelsea are doing to a lesser degree in terms of um, structured squad building, you know, bringing in quality, uh, you just look at our approach and you're just like, it's a shambles. It's it's an absolute shambles because you don't need to be an expert to know we're massively overloaded on wide players. Why the hell are we spending all this money on a wide player? It, 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 it makes no sense. Um, and you just begin to look at just the, the general mess in terms of not even having a cohesive strategy to follow. And you're like, I don't, I don't know how we're going to get out of it. And, and realistically, our, our hope, which felt like it had a possibility, was that Arteta is basically going to do an Arsene Wenger. And... Uh, revolutionise the team. He's going to drag the team into the 21st century on his own. Um, but I think football's changed and he needs more support and he's not getting it. Um, but until we we are able to more clearly identify what our strategy is, we're, we're screwed. And I think, again, the club keep making the easy decision. They keep making easy decisions. Like, when are we going to make the hard decisions? Because the hard decision 
is when Liverpool sell Coutinho or maybe we should have sold Aubameyang. And look, I was happy that we kept him at the time and it's only with the benefit of hindsight and this terrible run that we're now looking at it differently. But that's why you bring in senior people to run the club. And, you know, we, we never make a hard decision. We always make the easy decision. We, we bow to, to fan pressure far too much, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, uh, you've completely read my mind. It's like you've been in the back end of my blog because I actually wrote um, an article about this today. It's like Arsenal, as a club, are afraid of hard work. And the, it's difficult to tell the fans there's going to be nothing for three years. This is going to be difficult because we are completely rebuilding the club. Arsene Wenger was a massive manager. We made some terrible mistakes over the last uh, number of years. And it's going to be difficult. And we are going to focus on youth. And we're going to try out the Haylenders. And we're going to see who works and who doesn't. And each year, we're going to add more talent that fits the system that we want to play. So we brought in a young coach. And we think he's going to be phenomenal, given time. And we brought in a technical director, Edu, and he's going to scour the world for the best young talent. And instead, um, after the 2017 strategy of let's chase top four with Obama Yang um, and a bunch of others from Dortmund, we double down on it every single year and we continue to make the same mistakes. And I just don't understand how um, they keep on getting sucked in by these top four dreams. I was writing this sentence out. Sorry, Matt. Yes. No, and I was just saying, like, it's so derivative. Like, it's like, oh, let's copy Dortmund by buying Dortmund players or let's take this approach, which is, you know, and by taking other quality players from top four rivals. You know, there's no innovation whatsoever. We are dry in terms of uh, innovative thinking, uh, original thinking. So, you know, even what we've seen with Arteta so far has been derivative in that it's uh, it's a basically uh, he's taken a lot of Pep's thinking and brought it to Arsenal. Um, and I think what we're crying out for is just, yeah, just, just some fresh thinking. Um, and, you know, you look at sometimes, sometimes innovation is forced upon you. Like I think that one of the best things that could, <laughs> that happened to Chelsea was getting the transfer ban because it meant they kept their powder dry. And then they ended up having a ton of money to spend in a year when it was depressed. But it also meant that expectations were very low. They were able to bed in a new manager with no pressure. Um, and I think you could look at that. And if Arsenal was smart, they they could say, look, he actually had the conditions with which to go about doing his job. He did an incredible effort. You know, we we knock we knock him sometimes, or people that the media knocks him, but he got fourth. Uh we didn't. <laughs> so, um, you know, um, I think we should be looking at examples like that and going, how can we give Arteta the conditions he needs to succeed? Um, but, you know, it's like Arsenal fans are the worst. We're the worst. You know, we are. beat United. And it's like one minute we think we're champion, we're, we're title contenders. The next we think we're getting relegated. We're, we're like, um, we're, we're, we've got mental illness. We, yeah, we we have a uh, we have fucking deep problems and like, we're bipolar. Gonna, we are fucking we're bipolar. bipolar. I'm going to hold my hand up and say that I am absolutely part of that. Like three three week, you know, three months ago, I was I was doing laps around the 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 apartment, like cheering with you, 
um three, 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 months, three months later i'm i'm considering detaching myself from the internet shutting down the website and and picking up nfl or something it's, it's we're we are we are a fucking joke of a fan base and you yeah. know like, people on my blog are like fucking arteta he never he, it doesn't it doesn't change anything he does the same thing every game i'm like no 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 he uh we we cried about nicolas pepe he brings pepe and pepe gets sent off he puts Aubameyang in the middle. He's a fucking disgrace. Um, he gives young players uh, runs in the team, and they do a, a diabolical job. He goes four at the back, three at the back, five at the back, whatever. But I, I think, um, I think the point about strategy is so so important because um, a good vision and a good strategy um, allows you to filter ideas through a prism. So if you have a strategy and it's like, look, we want to create um, Project Youth, and we're going to call it Project Haylenders. And this season, we're going to not spend any money, and we're going to we're going to see how good the young players are. Then, when Arteta comes with his begging bowl and says, "Look, this fucking William is a dream," which is like a total fanboy move, I agree. He's like, "William is a total pros pro, and he's going to be great." You say, "No, sorry, Mikel, that's a fucking stupid idea. Fuck off and go and coach Reese Nelson or coach one of the junior kids because that's your job. You do not deserve 250 grand a week players until you can prove you can do something for this system. Yeah, but we um, it, we don't. We, we let Arteta take over. We let him make a bunch of bad decisions. And now, we're, now just as we were, just so we could smell freedom from Mustafi and Meza Ozil, we're right back in the shitter. Right back in the shitter. But... Uh, I was I was writing this set of this paragraph that if you if you found this podcast through the blog earlier, and oh, like just cataloging some of the bad decisions, Ivan Gazidis leaves Arsenal, um, and instead of making a tough decision saying we need to get a footballing CEO in, he recommends that Arsenal split the CEO ship to two unqualified people. The two unqualified people um, don't really work out well. And one of them is doing stuff that scares off Sven Mislintat. Sven Mislintat quits because he doesn't like the way someone is operating in the club and the things that they're asking them to do. So Sven goes, no one in, no one in America says, if Sven thinks that this is dodgy, maybe we should investigate it. They just ignore it. Give Raul the keys to the castle. So Raul gets rid of Sven um, and then he puts in place super agents as the new recruitment tool. And how did that fucking end up? It ended up terribly. And then we have to bring in a lawyer to, to move on Raul. And then we're lumbered with Edu, who Raul brought in through a super agent. And Edu, it turns out, isn't that good. So we bring in a young manager, which was a good decision. He wins some fucking shit. What do we do? We promote the manager. And, and, and so there's no infrastructure. There's no true vision. There's no leadership at the club. And you're like... I, Back to your point, Arsenal do not like hard work. But if you did the hard work, if we started the hard work in 2014 or 2013, when, when it was apparent that Wenger had no fucking plan, we could be in the Champions League right now. But we didn't because it was a difficult decision. Yeah, I mean, I think you've just got to, you've got to start at the very top and you've got to go, we need to redesign our board. Yes. So, so, I mean, I mean... <laughs> I mean, what we really need is new owners, but in the absence of new, I mean, I actually, I just think the owners just need to make some better decisions because it's not like they they don't spend money; they just make terrible decisions about about with the money. 
So, so we need to redesign the board for, for, for a start because we've got no decent footballing people. And for me, the idea of having David O'Leary on it, I mean, that just feels that feels like another dinosaur move as well. It's not like, well, I, you know, I love well, David I mean, O'Leary. I mean, What's he done yeah, for football? It, what does he know? Yeah, you know exactly, exactly. He's not a progressive mind in um, f- football club stewardship. You know, he he, you know. He was an Arsenal legend, uh, and he was uh, sort of um, uh, enjoyed mixed success as a manager. But why we think he'd be the answer? So we need to redesign the board. Um, you know, bless him, Vinay just looked like that decision that he made with Arteta. His amateur hour. It's weak. It's a weak CEO move. It's a, it's a it's a young CEO move, and maybe he'll grow into it, but. I don't have time to wait for him to spend five years in the job and learn on it because it's Arsenal Football Club. And why the hell are we giving a CEO his first job? It's well, fucking crazy. I, I, and, but the, the worst part, and, you know, it's difficult to pick on people that, like, you feel like you're picking on people and you, when we're sort of a, like, they're sort of, we're, we're at their sort of age, right? But not only have you got a CEO learning on the job, You've got a technical director learning European football on the job, like Edu's, what, barely 40. And you've got a young manager. Like, there's no collective knowledge of how things should go. There's no strength to say, that's a bad idea. You're underperforming. We've got no one who can truly hold anybody accountable in the system. And I know that, um, you know, again, a fan making a fucking stupid, you know, proclamation about how to fix it. But this is the sort of moment where you go, who in Europe is doing something that could bring rigor to a system? And you look at Ralph Rangnick and you go, okay, he's like, what, 56 years old. Milan were going to try and sign him for four and a half million euros a year. That salary is well within range. And then you bonus him. You bonus the fuck out of him. Make Arsenal great again and give him the keys to the castle because he's done it across three or four clubs around the world. He has a formula that works. It's built around young players, give him bigger budgets and a, a, you know, a, a, a bigger brush to paint with. That could be an interesting move, right? Because at least then he's worked with, he's brought through Nagelsmann. He's brought through Hassan Hustle. You know, he's worked with all of these great managers. He's hired in uh, Jesse Marsh. Um, that's uh, like um, that Salzburg at the moment. But the, I, going into another January transfer window with fucking Arteta, who doesn't know what he's doing, um, really, and Edu, who doesn't really know what he's doing, and the club knows he doesn't know what he's doing, is just disastrous management. Fucking make a big decision now. And I think the also, just going on from the hard decisions, I think fans, um, like we're crazy, but we're crazy because we're left to fill the void of the lack of information that there is. There's a there's an information vacuum because we don't know what the fuck is going on. I think if Arteta came out and said, we're going to do Project Youth and I've, I've fucked up and we need to focus on players that can work in our system, that care, and this is what we're going to do for the rest of the season. I think some fans would be pissed, but I think most people thought that that was the realistic path forward and was surprised that Arteta did what he did. I think that fans would enjoy watching Smith Rowe grow as a player. I think we'd enjoy seeing Maitland-Niles given a position in midfield because he can actually do the job. I don't want to see 
daft players given another chance? Like, what, what, like as a, a massive Arsenal fan yourself for many years, how would you feel about a bit of honesty about uh, about a path forward? Like, what would you feel if we did make a bad, a, a big decision that was scary for fans? It's a tough one because it didn't happen. It, 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 again, it, we're now halfway through the season and sitting 15th. So it's much better when you say something, you, you outline a strategy at the beginning of the season <laughs> than, right. than, than when you're halfway through, you know? So I think it would feel like a, a like a, another roll of the dice and just another example of a total lack of clarity because then you're just going to get people going, well, why the hell did we spend... Uh, all that money on Obama Yang and why this and why that and all this. Um, and then you've got that, then you've got the, the Ozil thing. I mean, I was just, it's crazy that I'm still thinking about Mesut Ozil, but if we have no intention of playing him and we're paying him, then why don't, why didn't we just pay him at the beginning of the season and be done with it and pay him off? It makes no sense to me. And I know that he could then go and earn that money somewhere else, but who cares? Because it's more disruptive having him on the sidelines, still an Arsenal player. And, you know, again, just it, it, it makes it makes it makes very little sense uh, to me. So um, I think the answer is, you know, next season is next summer is a pivotal summer because we've got a lot of players who are finally out of contract we've been trying to get rid of for years um and i think that we could start uh communicating that we see next summer with the departure of several players as the real start of the arteta player strategy and i think that that would that would begin to make more sense um as well as that I think that you know you you want him to start beginning to shape a narrative, which is basically to say, uh, Gabriel and Partey are really my two real first two real signings, and just you know start giving us we need confidence. That's what's been that that's what we're shorn of right now. Um, so if he said, look, since we started this new structure, Gabriel and Partey were my two signings. They're coming in. I'm really pleased with the way they're developing. Next summer, we're going to build to that with a couple of more players of, of that sort of quality. And then we're going to augment them with the Hale Enders. And um, we're really excited about that model and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then I think it can make sense. But I don't think he can come out and go, we're pivoting to an all-use strategy. Um, I mean, he, who the hell knows? The Obama Yang deal is just looking worse and worse and worse by the minute. I mean, the Willian deal is just beyond beyond stupid. That like we we got rid of we got rid of like Peter Check and all, and then we brought in Willian. And you know, it's it's Pete, Peter Check goes to Chelsea and he's like, no fucking way do we want anything to do with David Luiz for another year, and no way are we going to offer Willian more than one hundred and twenty grand a week. And we we fucking we more than doubled his salary for three years at thirty two years old. How could Arteta possibly have thought that a 32-year-old winger was going to offer us any value? Like, he can't move. He can't move. He's got no power. He's got no pace. And the worst thing is he's got no interest 
And I just think that there is a big difference between a Balagan who is a young kid and all he wants to do is play, right? Because all he cares about is football. And William, who is told not to go to Dubai and just needs that trip to go and hang with Salt Bay. It's the difference in mentality. <laughs> and it's like the um, the, the Obama Yang thing is really disappointing, but he's um, he's a chips up kind of player, right? When he's winning, it, he's there. But I, I thought the interview that he did with Arsenal.com from an editorial perspective was such a disaster that if I was working for Arsenal's social team, I would have said, guys, this, this interview is so fucking bad. We can't book it out. The guy looks like <laughs> his family is on the line and he's being told to, to, to you know, <laughs> renounce his religion. It's like... And, 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 they, and they know because there was a post today where they like reposted him saying, you know, and he's come up with some motivational... <laughs> motivational quote on instagram and arsenal.com have retweeted it and it's like guys we're not fucking stupid we, we, yeah. we you've dropped a clanger and now it looks like you know you, you basically made up well clearly communicated that obamian doesn't give a flying fuck um i feel a bit sorry for him i think it's no you shouldn't all the all the things that i'm hearing don't feel sorry for him do not feel sorry for obamian he's not behaving like a captain He's he's yeah. let he's letting the club down, and that body language in that video is Aubameyang right now. And uh, you know, Arsenal fans, you know, we crucify people like Granit Xhaka, um, rightly so because he doesn't have the ability. But like, he's not a he's not a character like Aubameyang and the Williams of the world that are genuinely letting down the young players at the club. I mean, what 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 a nightmare! Like, you're a young kid and you're watching Aubameyang sulk and not and not hit a level because all of a sudden he's mega rich it's it's just unbelievable it's it's unbelievable that these senior players are just like yeah i mean we'll do a job but we don't really care about hitting the level that we that we know we're capable of now because we don't have to yeah i mean i think that there's a couple of points right because i've been trying to think about where we go um yeah. and i think we were unfortunate because there was obviously clear the air talks and then we came out and we played well against Rapid Vienna. And then we were unlucky, right? Because what we really didn't need was Spurs away. Well, if, we, we, if we'd gone and won, it would have been the perfect game, but we didn't. What we needed was a home game and we just needed... Yes, to Burnley. <laughs> and we just needed to claw back some confidence. You know, uh, it's like the old Arsene Wenger. It's like, you know, it takes a long time to build confidence and it's going to take us you know, five, six, seven, eight games to, you know, four or five wins on the trot to try and salvage our season. Um, or we're just, or it's, we're, we're having a new Emery and we're just going to go for the Europa this season and try and retain the FA Cup and be a cup team. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's, it, it's, it, it's bad. It's bad. And, and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's you know, we, we have to put it in context because we played well against United and won. Yeah. You know, um, so it's only really been, you know, the Leicester game before that was poor, obviously, but it was Leeds, you know, we didn't lose. We deserved to lose. And then it was the Villa game. Uh, and then this one, you know, it's it's just a, it's a bad run, but it's not a 10 game bad run. It's a, 
Is it, well, maybe it is because we've think, been terrible yeah. all season. Yeah, I think we've been shit all season and there hasn't been a performance. And that's why I like the Thursday night Europa game. And a lot of people are like, yeah, but it's against a shit team. It's like, yeah, but we've been playing shit teams all season and we haven't had a performance like that. And the 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 thing that I hoped that he took from that game was I, I, I'm I, I'm so I'm so in love with that the the interview that Ainsley gave after because the the reason the performance against Rapid was better the second time round was because there was legs in midfield there were players that might not be able to play the perfect system but they could at least attempt it like Arteta's system needs mobility it needs direct runners. Um, and it needs people to take chances. And that, that squad of players that he put out, they all fit into it. Um, you know, Smith Rowe, like bags of energy, uh, Maitland-Niles and, and Mo Elneny. Not the perfect midfield by a long stretch, but at least they could do the job. And as soon as you've got energy in the side, you get a better output. But then Arteta goes back into Spurs and he's got Granit Xhaka back in the starting eleven. I mean, he's I don't... Got... I, I, I... I don't understand what Maitland-Niles has to do to get in a team. I really don't because last season I thought he positioned himself by the end of the season as the go-to guy for the big games. You know, right temperament, uh, can very, very versatile, can be highly disciplined. Uh, he felt like the perfect, he felt like he could be like a Philip Lamb for us. In that he could play in a in, 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 in just with that sort of flexibility, and obviously he's not at that caliber, but you know it felt like he could play that type of role. And that, and in most games, especially the big ones where you need some more solidity, he should be one of the first names on the team sheet. And we also play enough games for him to be playing and giving Bellerin a rest at right back or playing on the right of a you know he could he can play anywhere. And he never he hasn't put in a bad performance all season, and yet he can't get a look in. And you know, it's that sort of meritocracy. Um, you know, I, I, I still think the, the same about Reese Nelson. I know people have heard less positive rumblings about what people think of his just his ability, whether he's going to make it or not. But he always looks up for it when he comes on. He always tries to make stuff happen. He's always shooting. He's always. More aggression this year. Way more aggression and belief this year. I mean, I know it hasn't always yeah. fallen for him, but he's, you know, he's he's not perfect. But I think the teams like Southampton are showing this season you don't have to be perfect technically, but hard. Like what? The, it's a contractocracy at Arsenal, right? It's a it's a seniority led um, selections, uh, and we've got our senior players letting us down. The, the XG statistics say Arsenal's position in the league is completely deserved. Spurs is too high. Um, yeah. And I, I just don't understand why Arteta would rather watch players that have consistently failed for five years but don't have a ceiling and don't even have the hunger to learn. I don't know why he wants to see those guys fail. I mean, I know he doesn't want to see them fail, but he won't take a chance on Maitland-Niles um, on a consistent basis, he won't give Reese a run despite William stinking out the place. Like, I think that uh, I want to pivot, I want a big pivot, and I want us to just double down on playing players that want to play and playing players that can play in the system, even if it's only 80%. But 
maybe the middle ground is just dropping the big names. Like you've got, a, it has to be a meritocracy because if you keep on playing senior players that don't give a fuck, what does it say to everybody else? You know? Yeah. So, so um, yeah, sorry. No, I mean, I agree. I mean, and just you, just the decisions to give people like Louise a contract extension and the like, it just seems crazier by by the day doesn't it and 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 we predicted this none of this is like uh new thinking uh and it felt like we had an opportunity to walk away from it and instead we we said no actually let's just keep it how it is because it's not that bad um and we should have taken that opportunity to um to really reshape the whole team yeah and i i think i think the um I think the power move is to is to tr- like if the club clearly believes in Arteta, like he's got goodwill, he won a trophy, he showed good promise last season with his organisation skills. Whatever you think about the situation, he does not have the players that he needs to play the football that he wants. Um, he made mistakes thinking that. So he let's could- just let's just let's just pause, right? Because I think that's the bit that I'm most upset about which is he doesn't have, you just said he doesn't have the players to play the football he wants. But what I'm unclear on is what football he wants to play. Because the system that I thought we were seeing was playing out from the back, very aggressive press, um, you know, uh, patterns of play, uh, one touch sort of triangles, um, you know, using using the flanks. Um, but what I'm seeing now is whip the ball in the box, get it in the mixer. And that... Steve feels, Round. It's fucking Steve that, Round. And, and that's what scared me because you go, well, we don't have the players to play in the... But I'm like, well, now it feels like we need a... We need Peter Crouch up front. Like, like I mean, what is, what is our style of play? And that was sort of the alarming thing because we were like, we, we we basically forgave Arteta a we gave him a pass on these on the aesthetics because we knew that defensively we were so bad, but it's getting worse, not better. And you know those systems of play like we we scored a few of those goals that look very very similar where we sort of played it from the back, uh, you know cross uh, transfer play, um, you know and we, and you began to see these systems emerging, but those systems are sort of, they don't really exist now. And so I'm worried about what our, what our, what our style of play is, you know, is it, are we just, is it, you know, I know a lot of people have been talking about David Moyes and it's like, is that, is that what we're trying to do? I mean, I don't really, I've never seen Arsenal as a get it ball, get the ball in the box sort of start of play. No, and I I worry the you know the Steve Round effect. It, you know we're under pressure. Lob, lob balls into the box because eventually you'll score from them. Um, it's an absurd tactic. He needs to get off that right now. I think the I think the vision of football that he wants to play is what we played against in in the Europa League. I think he wants um, I think he wants to do what they you know a version of what they do at City, but maybe with more of a priority on having a. a a solid 
a solid defense, you know, less less free flowing because we'll never be able to afford that many top creative players. But like one touch passing, fast football combination moves, unpredictable um, and highly creative. I don't think that we're going to get that um, with the senior players that we've got at the moment. But yeah, I completely agree with you. The um, I think we've we've uh, James Benj had a statistic that we're making ten more crosses per game since November, and it's a panic. Right, it's not part of it's it's not part of what we're trying to do, and when we we've got this striker and, and uh, Moller, the Swedish guy that's yeah. six foot five, he's a monster, but he's only eighteen years old. If he was playing, I might understand taking that approach. If we had Olivier Giroud and we were doing that when he came off the bench, I would understand. But Lacazette, Eddie Nketiah, and Aubameyang attacking balls in the box against Eric Dyer and. The, all the big tall players that Spurs had was mad, but back to um, back to the like, what do we do to move forward? Um, I I do think that he's got a he, the the clubs. You know, I, I, I've mentioned this before. I, I worked with um, the Saracens way back when, and they had a, a you know a, a really fun CEO, and you know he used to talk to me about how he structured the club. And he, he would say, look, I, I plan transfers three years in advance. He goes, I know which players are cycling in. I know which players are cycling out. And he said, I know how to, uh, I know the strengths and the weaknesses of my head coach. And I build around his weaknesses. And I, you know, because I want, I want the guy to flourish. So he thinks about it like a sort of, a, the structure as a living organism. And I think that, We've allowed Arteta to hire whoever he wants, do whatever he wants. And he does the things that young people do. You're like, ah, oh, William would be a great signing. I'll get my mate Steve Round in um, without actually thinking about what his strengths and weaknesses are. And I think the, the biggest move that we could make is if we do believe in Arteta and we do think that he's going to be here for the next five years, you've got to put a technical director in the mixer that has worked with young managers before, that has maybe had some sort of crisis roles where they dropped into clubs and helped build them back up. And I think you need to get some strong leadership because you don't demote a technical director if you think they're good. And the idea that we're going to go into January and let Edu spend money, the idea that we're going to go into the summer and let him plan after like, look, his last few transfer windows, they've been fucking disastrous. Like why, why would we continue with it? We've got rid of um, Raul Signelli because he was useless We've got rid of Husfami because he was intrinsically tied to Raul. I don't know that that was the reason I think Husfami quit, but he was part of the collective that failed when Ivan Gazidis went. And Edu's still there. Edu signed off on Suarez. Edu signed off on Luis. Edu signed off on William. Is that not enough? Is that yeah, not it's enough? enough. To say? It's enough. Yeah. It's I, enough. And, you know, bless him because he's an invincible and he seems like a nice guy, but. He's out of his depth and uh, and we can't go on like this. You, you've got to make the decision, right? It's what, like, and I know that it seems a bit draconian and we are Arsenal fans. We're shit and we say stuff like this because, you know, it's why people listen. But really, if we do, if we do want to get serious about the next three years, someone at the club has to make a decision on whether you get rid of the manager and start again, which I don't think and, is and, an And do you know what the funniest thing about all of this is? That stupid decision 
to promote Arteta after six months, which we all liked the sound of. We all liked it at the time because yeah, we're stupid was, Arsenal fans. He was a rock star. Everyone was like, this is the most exciting thing ever. It's Pep Guardiola. Yeah. But the thing about it is that decision is now the most difficult piece of this jigsaw about removing Eddie. Because, you know, we, we've... We've given him too. We've given Arteta too much say on this situation. He shouldn't even be involved in the conversation. You know, it should just be be happening, and and that decision just begs belief. Yeah, I, I, I and but I, I do think the the best opportunity to do something like that is to say, Mikel, this is going to shit. You've wasted a fuck ton of money on players that you wanted to choose. And we are going to course correct this. You need to get back to coaching. You need to get your focus on that part of it. And we'll take care of the club and we're going to support you. We're going to keep you going. We're going to see out this three-year contract and we're going to make things better because we've let, you know, we've let you down. We've let you down. We've yeah, let you down. Right? Yeah. And and it's, and I, I cannot believe, you know, when you're, when you're flying high, you're like, fuck yeah, I'll be the manager. I'll be on the same level as a technical director, even though we know that he's not that good. You, you want it all. But I bet you right now, he's probably a pretty fucking lonely figure, right? He's surrounded himself with like 23-year-old coaches, uh, the, you know, straight out of like my, you know, hipster fantasy of what football should be. It's got Steve Round in, and you know we've we've seen we've seen what he's done elsewhere. You know, if he isn't all over that decision to whip balls into the box, I don't know who is because that's exactly what happened to Moyes when he was failing. And there's no football knowledge for him to lean on. So I don't know where he's going to get his advice. Get on the phone to Pep Guardiola. Um, get get a meeting. Find out what you should do. Like are there, like he needs a 65 year old that's been there and done it as an assistant that can help. You know hone his coaching skills because he is a good coach um and, but he needs and look at let's let's look at the positive he will get out of it to some extent we're not just gonna i don't think we're gonna i think he's too smart for us just to 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 plummet it's just the reality is the damage is sort of already done and going into christmas is a terrible time for him um but he will come through it it's i mean somehow and he will emerge as a better manager for it through this crisis because it's now a crisis um so we've just got to i think i think i think it's the right approach we've got to stick with him but we've got to bring in people around him who can who can set him up for success because he's, he's he's drowning at the moment he's really drowning at the moment yeah and I, I i think i genuinely you know i had a bad moment when i wrote the post on sunday but he's got to get through it because he his career depends on it and i think that 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 fear is a is a is a powerful. Uh, Fear is a powerful motivator. Yeah, yeah, and, and he, yeah, this is it. It's got to work. He'll make it work somehow. Um, but he's going to have to make some hard decisions. And yeah, like we said, it, we just wish there was someone at the club who could help him. But there's and, no one. And and yeah. this is where you know Vinay is. He's not. He's not a CEO of a football club. Um. You know, maybe he could be if there were strong, other strong footballing brains around the place. You know, but but yeah. no. Why can't we just do the fucking sensible thing and go? Who's the best footballing CEO in Italy? Like Beppe Morota. What what do you need to come and work in England? Or you know, just just do the obvious. Like go and find go and find 
there's someone at Dortmund who's in the management or who's on the board that could do something like this. But instead we go, no, 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 we've got, we've got a great idea. But I think uh, the most difficult thing that Arteta's got to face, um, and it's especially difficult when you've gone hard, uh, it is he has to admit he's wrong, right? It, now yeah. he has to admit that he's wrong and that's the first step. And I think that he keeps on going back to the same old people that are going to keep on letting him down. And I don't know whether it's because they're his peers, basically. But he needs it's so to... hard, though, isn't it? Though, because you know, play Willock. Willock does well in the Europa League. Plays him on the Saturday. Absolutely stinks the fucking joint out. I mean, <laughs> we need some of these players to sort of, you know, step up. And he's abs- he's definitely not helped by the complete lack of leadership through the club. Um, and I just I'll never forget. And I think Tony Adams was talking about Bellerin, but. You know, watching from the West Stand, Ashley Cole come into the team as a youngster. You know, Tony Adams would coach him through the game. <laughs> you didn't have to worry about Tony's performance. He'll just put in an 8 out of 10 without, whilst, whilst he's focusing on Ashley Cole, you know. Um, but we just miss those those characters. And, you know, the, we you just saw what Partey in the first half against Tottenham, basically on one leg, and clearly not match fit. Still our best player. <laughs> he was. He, he was. He was fucking great. And you, you know there were going to be other things. Like I, I don't know whether Pablo Mari is as bad as everyone thinks he is. I know that they're quite excited about him because he's a a good person to have in the club from an energy perspective. You've got Gabriel Martinelli that did forty five minutes today. He'll be back in the side early. And my God, could we use with could we use his energy in the front line? And then I think he's going to have to give Maitland-Niles um, a run in the side because I don't think he has a choice. And we know that Mo Elneny can do a job. He might not be the best, but at least you've got a base then that you can fight from, right? And then if you create a solid base, then maybe you can try Smith-Rowe or maybe you can give Willock um, a run of games. But we really need to get to January and do something better than Christian Eriksen. Yeah, I mean, I wonder whether we'll go in, go back in for OR and... Um... But, but, I mean, the other problem is bringing players in, you know, it, it sort of struck me today because Klopp was talking about how he's brought these academy guys in and they're all flourishing and all of that. But, you know, of course they're flourishing because you bring people into a successful winning team and it's easy. That's what Arsenal used to do. Do you remember we used to bring in Colo Torre or Ashley Cole? Or, 16 or 15. Yeah, and, and, and it's fine because it's a successful team and the players can carry them. Um, the problem with what we've got is, you know, the last thing we want is to make an expensive attacking midfielder signing for 40, 50 million, or even the guy from um, Red Bull. Um, Sabosli, I can say. Yeah. But I mean, dropping them into the shit, steaming pile of shit that is Arsenal right now is career limiting. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's, you don't want to do that because uh, the Emirates is going to be a fucking cesspool. Uh, second half of the season, if we're still in 15th or 12th or 13th come January the 1st, it's going to be it's going to be a long, long season. I mean, I love the beginning of the season, looking forward to games and already I'm I've got to be, be honest, I'm just not looking forward to them at the moment. No, no, I agree. It's interesting as well, Arsenal fans calling for all these youth players to come through and uh, the, the, the outrage about William Saliba and he got sent off tonight. Second half, second mm-hmm. record. Like it's, it's like he's he's a he's a talented player, but he's not ready for Premier League football. I don't care what anybody says. Um, so 
that was uh that was interesting but how did we how did uh his, his mafana uh i mean we missed out on him i mean he looks like a class player doesn't he yeah i think that he's just i think he's just fitter i think he played more games and also you're going into a leicester system that is solid right leicester yeah. are a good side they've got lots of good pros around them they all work hard brendan rogers you know, he's a bit of a muppet, but he he is one of the better coaches in English football, no doubt. Um, yeah. But it is it is upsetting because I think they got Fofana for less, almost less than we paid for Saliba. It's kind of well, yeah, a lot less. I mean, how did we pay? What did we pay for him? It wasn't twenty eight million, twenty eight oh, or thirty two. It was it was a lot oh, of money. Not, it was a lot of money we paid for Pepe and Saliba, and really neither of them at the level that we need to play professional football. Put that hundred million into Arteta uh, last summer, and you're getting Sabosli and Awar. Uh, well, no, I mean, put that into Arteta, and you get like, you could easily be getting more shit. So that's yeah. why we need to. You would have <laughs> would have <laughs> trying to sign Ronaldo or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we would have, uh, we would have got. Uh, uh, well, even I was going to say Ross Barkley, but even he'd be an upgrade. But the the, um, the, po- the positives are, if he is a quick learner and he's a super intelligent guy, he takes these things very personally. Um, he's going to be hurt by what's happened with these senior players that have absolutely shafted him. Um, he's going to um, be more careful about what he promises the fans moving forward. Because saying Champions League in three years to William, not smart. And I think that maybe um, he'll learn a bit of humility um, um, about how he crafts a, a, a path forward. Um, I think maybe the FA Cup got a bit to him. He shouldn't really, if he asked for that promotion, he shouldn't really have even accepted it, to be honest. That's kind of, a bit of a bit of an arrogant play. So um, hopefully if he learns from this, comes out the other side stronger and never makes those fucking mistakes again, you know, that's that's all you can ask. We always knew it was going to be a tough journey. He was never going to get everything right straight away. Um, but it, some clever moves from Arsenal this summer, a good January um, and a, a binning of the shit. Maybe we could be in a good place going forward. Yeah, although I think, you know, um, the January thing is an interesting one. I sort of feel like having just talked about short term, long term, we're better off just keeping our powder dry in a way, um, unless unless an amazing deal presents itself, um, and yeah. just and just clearing out the dross, seeing how much we can get rid of. I mean, presumably we'll get rid of Lacazette, get rid of Ozil, get rid of Mustafi, get rid of Louise, Socrates. Um, Socrates, Matt Macy, you know. get out, Matt Macy. <laughs> yeah, he's the problem. <laughs> yeah, you're the fucking issue, my friend. Um, <laughs> yeah, sell sell Mateo, um, get a good fee for him, um, and then yeah, I think <laughs> the next summer they they're going to have to go big. I think that they might. I think I do think that we need a creative player, even if it's on loan. Like it would be yeah. worth getting if you could get Isco on six months or Christian Eriksen. I don't like the idea of Christian Eriksen, but it really is better than fucking watching Danny Ceballos try and throw the through ball. I don't think Ceballos is very good. I mean, I, he's I don't had, think he's, he's either. No, I don't know what he really does. No, I can't quite. I, I, and that that game where Arteta had him dropping in at right back or whatever it was, I was like, what what is going on here? We've got we, we've got a, a, 
I mean, he, he had some pretty all-action stats before the start of the season. But I think that we need a... <laughs> I would just like to sign players moving forward. I would like to play, sign players with high ceilings that can do things. Like these midfielders that don't assist and don't score goals. Like it's not, it's not good for the soul. Have you, uh, have you dropped out? <laughs> All right. Well, it seems that we've come to a natural end uh, on this podcast. Matt's, uh, Matt appears to have got lost. So I'm going to plug, I'm going to plug the five-star rating as always, because uh, that's what we do at the Grove. Um, share with your friends. Um, look at the website on thegrove.co.uk. And uh, thank you once again for listening. Um, it will get better. Um, don't be too sad. And um, let's let f- fingers crossed we uh, we have a good one against Dundalk um, in the week. Hopefully we don't make a mess of that. So until next week, um, have a great one. And I'll uh, speak to you soon. Organised crime, terrorist threats, child exploitation and human trafficking. These are some of the most serious offences that a person can commit. Here in Australia, these crimes fall under the jurisdiction of the Australian Federal Police, also known as the AFP. Crime Interrupted is a six-episode series that's narrated by me and features in-depth interviews with the officers who solved these crimes. We've been given exclusive access to their case vault, so you can learn more about fighting crime in Australia at a national level. Crime Interrupted is the latest release from Casefile Presents. The first episode is out now, with new episodes dropping weekly, for free, wherever you get your podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.